This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. This is Behind the Rose, where Bachelor Nation meets country music and everything in between. Here's your host, Blake Horseman. Welcome, everybody, to a new episode of Behind the Rose Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Horseman, joined today by my buddy, Eric Bradley, as usual. And today we have our good friend and the godfather, is what we call him, the godfather of Bachelor Nation, Ben Higgins. How are you, man? Mm, I'm good. I grew up hoping that one day I'd be called the godfather <laughs> of The Bachelor, so this, that's a big deal. Thank you. It always blows my mind that like you're a godfather yet. You're older than no, I'm older than you. I think. Like, I feel like you're. I feel like you, for some reason, are so much more mature than me. And so I was many a child, man. I was a child. I've been How around. How old were you? How old were you when you were the Bachelor? Were you uh, on the Bachelorette? How old were you? Uh, twenty-four, turned twenty-five. Jeez. Yeah. That is wild. I was a completely different person at twenty-four than I was. I went on at 29, 30. 20, I turned thirty on the show. Yeah. No, I turned twenty-nine on the show. That's crazy. Yeah, isn't that man. crazy? I mean, to think like. This year, there's guys. I just went through the list of Claire season, like guys 40, yeah, which is awesome. But like, I can't, like, I can't imagine. That'll, that'll, you know, that's yeah. that'll be 15 years past my time when I turn 40. Whoa, <laughs> it's crazy. that's wild. That's crazy. I know. I, I was, I was taking a peek at some of Claire's cast too, and yeah, there's some. That's good though. Like you said, it's good. There's some older guys and everything. Because um, even my season, I think, was like 20. Uh, I think we were like 20. I bet I was average. I was about 20, 29. I was about average. So yeah, pretty usual. So you were you young on your season for your season? I was the youngest, maybe the second youngest. I actually think Jared Havon is like a little bit younger by like a month. Oh, I um, but I think I was the second youngest. And then when I was the bachelor, I was the youngest bachelor by I think quite a bit yeah. when I did it. I think I think I don't know if anybody's been younger now since me. No way. Yeah, I doubt because I was 26 when I was The Bachelor. That's, wow. That's, that's a child. That is crazy, child. man. Child. Yeah. You literally grew up in front of our eyes, Ben. I did. <laughs> I busted out my first mustache here and it's never left. <laughs> I like it. I think it's a good Thanks, look. Yeah. You're welcome. There are some other things you busted out of, too. <laughs> yeah. Right? This is kind of the theme of the season. You just got to bust out of the shirts, bust out of everything, man. <laughs> So, Ben, obviously, uh, quarantine uh, has been crazy for everybody. But you actually, I mean, you actually been writing this book of yours for about two years now. But you just basically had your, I mean, is it considered a release? Because it's not actually available to buy yet, right? No, I think it's like just pre-order. Oh, okay. You can pre-order it. So tell us yeah. a little bit about the book because we were we were talking the other day at lunch. And I honestly didn't know how incredible like some of the guests and stuff you had in your book. Yeah, so... There it is. You can there see it. Is. It looks like a romantic thriller. It does. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what it looks like. Is that Fabio on the mystery? cover? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and in some ways, it is a romantic thriller because it's my uh, memoir. Um, but, you know, it's it's different. When I grew up, I'm a pretty big introvert, uh, which I think surprises many and sometimes even surprises myself. Um, but I wrote a lot growing up. Like, I love to write. I love to um, just get thoughts on paper. I don't know if I was ever very good at it, but I did it. And then two years ago, um, I was uh, asked to start writing a book and I started writing it and like, you know, it's, it'd be great to write a bachelor, tell all those things. sell pretty, pretty mm-hmm. easily. And, um, but as I started writing it, like I just felt empty 
I guess it would be the thing I'd say. Like, I just didn't feel like I, th- I felt like I was doing it for a cash grab. And there's many things in my life I've done for a cash grab, but this, <laughs> but this wasn't one of those things I wanted to be because I knew it was going to have to take some time. And, uh, and so then I kind of switched gears. I was like, well, if I want to write about something that I felt was meaningful, what would that be? And the idea came into my mind. I was speaking at a political conference. Um, for those of you that don't know, I was once uh, running for office. And uh, I was asked to speak, to speak at a political conference on uh, global human facing injustice. And I was doing it through the means of the coffee company that I work with and for, um, or I guess own. That, mm-hmm. Yeah, I say founder. I guess, owner. <laughs> I'm to say that. Um, and, uh, and this lady got up on stage and she was giving this very impassioned speech about how we're in the most divisive time in human history, in United States history. And I was listening to her and I'm not very smart, but my buddy next to me is. And he looks at me and he goes, I don't feel like that's right. I said, why do you think that's right? He's like, because we've had many seasons of divisiveness in the United States. Like um, we can go back and, and really globally, there's always divisiveness. There's always wars. There's always rumors of wars. There's these tons of things always coming down on us. So what is it that we're feeling? And uh, through as means of talking to buddies and doing a, some surveys and really digging myself, I came up with a theory that I think we're in the most isolated time in United States history. Like we're living in our own little silos. And so I started the book about how my insecurity feels like I'm not known, not understood, not seen. Um, How I even feel that way post having, you know, tens of millions of people watching on television and then kind of wrapping this whole book through other people's stories who have felt the same way and for better reasons than me. And uh, and so the whole book's about connection and how we can connect with ourselves, with others romantically, and then with God and what we, what we can do to have legitimate connection instead of just like walking through this life, looking left and right and never focusing on what's in front of us. I can't wait to read it when it comes out officially, because yeah, I mean, you, you've talked about how it's not just, cause I think a lot of people assume it's going to be like a tell all, like a bachelor tell all, you know, yeah. obviously there's so many of those out there, but it's going to be so much more than that. And it's gonna, yeah, I think it's going to have life lessons, your life lessons, but how else you, we can relate to those, you know, the reader can relate to those and the audience can relate to those. So looking forward to reading it, man. Yeah, the, the interesting part is, you know, there's two chapters, I think, on The Bachelor. Uh, one's about my breakup. Um, another one just kind of highlights the experience in the show and how it twisted. Everything else doesn't really touch on it. But like, you know, I think one of the things that I, it's weird for me to even say it this way, I'm excited for is uh, not only the stories of my friends and people I know um, who have gone through some crazy things in life, and those are highlighted, but like my story of like, opioid addiction and um completely like ruining everybody around me through like high school and college years because of my ego and because i treated women just like simple objects and uh and what i learned from that and what i grew from that and and how i see it now and so like i'm i'm guess i'm excited for people to finally like know that yes i am uh, a white middle-class man from midwestern from the Midwest. Um, and yes, like I could be called boring, but that nobody's story is actually boring. That Every story has complexities to it. And I'm excited for people to understand that and see that and maybe start to become more intrigued, interested with other people's stories as well, hopefully through mine. That's what I was just going to ask. Is that kind of what you want like if I sat down to read the book, what would you want me to come away with? Is it that to like be more empathetic towards people and their stories? Is that kind of? Yeah, I think the I think my hope would be 
my hope is that uh, it's twofold. One is you can't, I hope people will stop and start asking some of the questions that I ask in the book. I don't know a lot and I, and I, I would never claim to know a lot. But what I do know is how to ask questions because I think there's a lot of big questions out there. But my big hope, if we were to sum it up, would be that people read the book, they feel less alone and they feel uh, more empathetic with themselves and with others. That would be if they, that's the takeaway from the book, um, you'd feel less alone, that you'd realize that you're not alone at all, even in your most darkest moments, and that you would be more empathetic for yourself and others because you realize that everybody else has some really shitty things going on in their lives that they need to work through. Yeah. I like, I like saying like empathetic towards yourself because I think that's something that gets glossed over a lot of times is like a lot of us are really hard on ourselves, like super hard on ourselves. I think you need to have, you know, give grace to yourself just as much as you give grace to others. And I think a lot of people forget that. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Some would argue that you can't actually give grace to others unless you give it to yourself first. So um, I might agree with that. I don't know. (laughs) So yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, you know what? There's, I don't want clickbait here. Uh, there's really nothing I held back. Like I, I, this book sent me into counseling in a good way. Like there was things that I had like had to pull back and relive that like I thought I had healed from, or maybe I just like had moved on from. That as I started to go back into those moments, like mm. it was really hard. And so I like uncovered old wounds that had yet to be healed. And so I actually had to go back into my, well, I guess I'm still in it. Um, but I think we uncovered a hot, a whole bunch of other issues once yeah. I got there. So I don't even know if I'm dealing with those stuff anymore, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it did like, there was nothing that I held back from my life uh, because I want, I don't know if I'll get another shot to write a book. And so I was like, this is, this is my one shot to tell my story and, maybe one or two people will buy it. And then if anything, my grandkids one day can read it and say, Oh, look, there's grandpa Ben with his face looking all intense. on the cover." <laughs> That's actually, I, I mean, I bet it was incredibly therapeutic. Yeah. I mean, it's like a more intense way of diarying, you know, of having yeah. a diary like 100%. of journaling and stuff. Yeah. hundred percent. And it's weird because uh, probably seven months in, I hired a co-author to help me because I was stuck. And I was like, I either am done with this and I'm never going to finish it or I need to get some help. Um, so I have a lot of respect for authors who can do this completely on their own. Yeah, first off. Yeah. Um, and so what ended up happening was we took everything I had written and we expanded on it and then we filled the gaps. And so filling the gaps is actually really interesting because I had another voice sitting there with me as we wrote and talked and typed and edited everything and like that other voice having them ask follow-up questions to me about why I did the things I did was insanely therapeutic because I'd never asked some of those questions to myself and I didn't want to go there sometimes so my takeaway to sum it up is if like even if you don't have a publisher that's publishing your book and even if you never will print it I would recommend anybody to write down their life story um for me I see themes and uh, things that have came up through that when I'm honest with myself that I am so lucky that I got to put on paper. And uh, yeah, I just say writing your life story down is important because we only get one of these things and um, I don't want to miss it. Yeah. I like that idea. Hopefully one day I'll sit down and yeah, I don't plan on publishing it, but like just to have it would be a cool thing, you know, just to like kind of go through somebody. it. Yeah, yeah. I don't think so. Enough of my life's out there, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, obviously, so you finished the book in quarantine. Um, the tour, I've, every time I do like little, I do some virtual appearances for colleges and everything. 
they all ask about these, this fascination tour that you were on because they were all so pumped to go to it and to see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously that got put on hold. Um, first off, how were you enjoying it? Like, was that a blast for you? Because I know I went to a couple and it looked like you guys were having a good time. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, yes. In short, <laughs> it was a great time. Uh, so, but a really interesting time for me. Again, I'm an introvert. That's important to like know here. So like, and I really am like, so I'm living on a tour bus with six other people and like you do a show, we were doing 60 shows in like a few months. And so we really didn't have any days off and a show would start at like seven, end at nine 30, 10 o'clock. But you would have like, you know, I don't know if this is like a thing that you guys get, but it's a big joke on our bus between like Becca and I, like you get the nervous tummy. So like oh, right yeah. before you like go out on stage every night, if you've eaten anything for dinner, it ain't <laughs> sitting nice with you. <laughs> And so I just stopped eating in the afternoon. Like I, I was like, I'm not, I'm not about to keep doing this because there's no worse feeling than getting ready to go out on stage. You're like, oh, yeah. I don't know which way to go. Um, Becky, you're on the other night. But um, and so, anyways, so you'd eat dinner afterwards. <clears throat> It'd be like 10:30, uh, and then everybody'd be getting on the bus after the show. We'd leave at about midnight, and they'd want to have a few drinks. And so it's like one o'clock when you're going to bed, and then I you know, as I mentioned earlier, like generous is still the company that I operate and, uh, and run. And so at seven o'clock in the morning, I'm having meetings. And so I'm up six hours later for a meeting. That's like actually pretty important. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, so I was getting tired, uh, a little exhausted, but it was a blast. I felt like a kid again. It felt like summer camp. Like you're traveling, you're waking up in a new city, you're dancing on stage in front that's of 2,500 people every night. It was a good time. Good. So when do you think it's going to come back? Like, what do you, what have you heard? Uh, do you think it's going to be something they're going to bring back? Probably. I mean, shoot at this rate, at least 2021, at least. Yeah, I, I think it will. I mean, it was successful. Like mm-hmm. most nights were sold out, especially in the big cities. I mean, we went to like a few smaller little towns that didn't necessarily have the crowd that uh, like your San Francisco's or, you know, Denver yeah. would have. But um I think it will come back because it's a great concept. It was actually a lot of fun. I think most, I didn't get many negative reviews and you're always expecting them, but most of the reviews were either, that was a lot different. I thought Mm -hmm. that was super weird, but like entertaining. I mean, you get like random people up on stage. They do some ridiculous stuff. Um, (laughs) Like there is, there is like, I remember we're in Seattle and this is probably, I'm probably going to get arrested for this, but um, (laughs) COVID had just started to come through, right? Nobody really knew about it yet. This was in like mid-February. So like COVID was a thing. Nobody knew much about it, but we knew that like Seattle was getting traces of it. And so we warned everybody like, hey, there is like a, a some virus out there right now. Um, just be careful tonight, like mm-hmm. on stage. Within two minutes, these people were making out on stage. Like, like, and not just like, let's kiss for fun. It was like, really all in. Um, yeah. And it wasn't like an uncommon thing for people to be kissing on stage within a couple minutes, which is, again, you give somebody a camera and a spotlight and things change. Like, yeah, things I, think people, shift. I think people forget that it's not, it's, it's not really scripted. Like you, the show you're on wasn't really scripted. Like you had questions you would ask him and stuff, but it was just a go, you know, free for all. Like you had no idea what you were expecting each and every night, which is a pretty fun, yeah. pretty fun deal. Yeah. And one of my skill sets is not, um, 
I'd say my best skill set when it comes to hosting is composure. I feel like I can, mm-hmm. I can keep my composure and not lose myself. My one of my worst skill sets is like reactionary comedy, um, like impromptu type stuff. Impromptu, like, like I just don't think. Like I just don't hit the mark often. And if I do try to, sometimes it's pushing it too far or it's not pushing enough. People just don't understand. Then it's awkward and quiet in a 2,500 person arena. Um, And so like my whole time I was anxious on like, what do I say? You know, because it's not scripted. I don't know what's going to happen each night. I don't know how these people are going to like navigate the process. I think it's going to come back. I think it's going to be a big hit. I think it's going to be successful. I think it will be around a bit. Will I be involved in it? I hope so. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised also if like they find somebody that can fill that role, you know, if it's mm-hmm. in two years, like. That's your life's going to be very different. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm jacked that they would still ask me. I'll be eight years out of being the bachelor. Like <laughs> I'll have a, probably a kid and a wife. Like, I don't, I don't know. If I'm, I don't know if I'm necessarily bringing in the crowd at that point, but uh, yeah. it was fun while it lasted. Yeah. Yeah, Jess and, and the kid on the tour bus, like <laughs> the country. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, cool story here though. Um, so I got on my tour bus and um, I logged into Netflix because I had a TV in my room and the those tour buses are sick. Yeah. And uh, guess who was logged in on my bus? <laughs> John Legend. No shit, it was John Legend's bus. He had his Christmas tour on the bus, and then the other bus had Lady Gaga for her last tour. And so John, I mean, I'm not going to do it because I think John Legend is a, and and I respect him for who he is, but I do know his email. I do know his (laughs) Netflix login. Dude, start emailing him. Get him on Almost Famous Podcast. (laughs) I know. But um, no, no, that was funny and weird and definitely not at all what I thought my life would be doing at 30 years old. Yeah. Hey guys, real quick, I want to talk to you about Care Of Vitamins and Supplements. I've been taking these vitamins lately, and I don't know about you guys, but when I go to the store, you walk down an aisle and there are different vitamins and supplements and all kinds of things, and it can be really confusing. So the cool thing about Care Of is it's hassle-free vitamins and supplements delivered straight to you. So your recommendations come in daily, individually wrapped packets that are perfect for getting back into a routine. You go online, you take a five-minute quiz, It asks you questions about your diet, lifestyle, and health concerns to help address your specific wellness goals. So for me, when I went online and did this quiz, basically it said that I don't take enough dairy, so I have to take some calcium plus vitamins. I don't get enough fruit in my diet, so I have to take some B complex vitamins. And then also it says for me, the best kind of protein would be the plant-based protein. So I would get the plant-based protein in the mail, as well as my B complex and calcium vitamins all individually wrapped for me each day. Care of products are formulated with good for you, clean ingredients that are backed by science. Care of is super transparent about the research and sourcing behind every one of their products with extensive info available on their websites and fun, informative content on their social pages. So if you want to get some care of vitamins delivered straight to you for 50% off your first care of order, go to takecareof.com and enter code BlakeH50. That's 50% off with code BlakeH50. Go get you some care of vitamins and supplements now. All right, now back to the pod. So speaking of Jess, yeah. um, you guys actually did get engaged during quarantine, didn't you? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, that's right. The beginning of, was it like April? Somewhere around there? Uh, March 27th. Oh, actually. so it was in March. Yeah. I remember uh, that out in Indiana, right? Oh, that or was no, it was Nashville, that her. Right? Yeah, Nashville. 
That's right, Nashville. So I think you guys were with me. Oh, at one of the last. Oh, you guys were with us in Denver, which yeah. is um, one of the shows that was towards the end of the tour mm-hmm. before it halted. Yeah. And I had at that point, I had already decided, hey, in in 2020, um, early 2020, I want to propose the Jess. Uh, there's multiple reasons for that. Not only logistically, like I want her to move out here uh, to Denver. Also, like I want her to know that like I'm serious, like I love <laughs> her and I want to spend my life with her. So I was like, 2020 is going to be it. Now I just now have to find the right spot because I'm going to be on tour. And we're going to some weird cities. We're always traveling. We're never in one city for more than a day. And it's going to be hard to find it. And I also wanted her family involved. And so long story short, it, it kind of felt like New York City was the best spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, her family could fly in. We could do the big proposal. We could have like uh, brunch and cocktails. And I could go do the show that night. And then I'd head off and she could stay with her family. And my family are going to be there as well and kind of celebrate. Well, COVID hit. Well, I planned this whole thing out. The dancers on the tour had done a, I don't even think, I don't know if Jess knows this or not, but they had planned a big flash mob. So they're going to dance to our two favorite songs. And one of her, one of the songs was a Frank Sinatra song, which was her grandfather's who had passed away um, the year before. And so it's going to be a really special moment. And COVID hit, shut it down. And so then I, called her mom and I was like, I'm going to come to Nashville. I want to just propose to her some way, somehow. And so we ended up doing it in her backyard, uh, which worked out perfect because yeah. her whole family was quarantined under one roof. And so we were able to have dinner and drinks and just celebrate, which worked out great. And I don't think it could have gone better, but yeah, my plans have changed um, within a week. Yeah. Wow. New York to yeah Nashville. And that was cool though. Nashville ended up working out nice. I remember seeing the pictures and everything. And it was gorgeous. Like it was, it was, it was perfect. perfect. Yeah, it was perfect. It was awesome. and, her brother plays professional baseball. He had moved back in with the family because they got sent home. Her other brother and his wife had moved in from Philly to get look, looking for a house. And Jessica was going to be living with her parents for a few months as we figured out our living arrangement in Denver. Um, and so it just happened to be that COVID hit as all of them were living there. And so then I moved in. Um, and so for <laughs> two and a half months, it was the whole fam damnly just kicking it. Yeah, I forgot because you had you had rented out your place here in Denver, so you had to move in over there for two and a half months. I didn't have a house. Yeah, my house oh, was rented while I was supposed to be on tour, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I couldn't come home, so I had to go there. Damn! And then you had the wedding basically planned, and then of course COVID kept. I mean, I guess kept coming, and so now you've had to reschedule a whole another year, right? Yeah, we're gonna we're looking at like the first two weeks of November now, somewhere around there of 2021. Um, it was gonna be this November. And uh, we were kind of prepping and planning for that. I think it was what her parents and my parents had in mind. Um, but then it just keeps getting pushed back. And so finally, we said, you know what? Like, let's not make this stressful. This isn't supposed to be stressful. It's supposed to be something fun. True, yeah. um, and her brother plays baseball again. And so he's going to be in baseball next year through October, probably at this point. So November just works. And we're looking forward to it. We set our sights on it. Yes, it would be great if I could marry her tomorrow. And you know, if COVID continues, maybe I will, but, um, <laughs> right. You know, right now we're looking at November of 2021 and, uh, yeah, I mean, I couldn't be more excited about it. It's, it's going to be really awesome. Good. Cool, man. I'm pumped. I love her. You guys are great together. So I'm excited for you guys. Sweet girl. Finishing off. You absolutely guys are the perfect man. match. 
Perfect. <laughs> I still can't believe the DMs, man. It all went down in the DMs. That's still ben blowing Higgins my mind. slid into the DMs. Still yeah. Well, yeah. I've probably done it to both of you at some point. I've got a good DM game. You do. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. I think uh, Doctor Pimple Popper. <laughs> dude, that's good stuff. Like, actually, just <laughs> if nobody knows, if nobody knows what we're talking about, I'm a big fan of Doctor Pimple Popper. <laughs> Um, I get real weird about it and I'll watch the grotesque amount of that stuff. He offers uh, his services to us all the time. Yeah. (laughs) I I offer it to anybody that wants it, but Jess, I just went to, she's in esthetician school right now. And so I, I'm literally going to be marrying a Dr. Pimple Popper and I can, you guys really are perfect for each other. Yeah. Bring me a sis home and I'm ready. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, that's great. All right, so GOAT, your GOAT episode. I don't know if we ever really got to talk about how you watching your GOAT episode. So obviously it's going to be weird, but yeah. when you watch the GOAT, your GOAT episode, greatest fall-time episode, for those of you who don't know what GOAT means, um, how do you think the show has changed as far as like the way they film The Bachelor, the way they produce The Bachelor compared to, let's say, like Peter's season or Matt's season coming up? Yeah. Well, I think one of the most interesting thing for me now, being in it and then looking back on it, is the evolution of the show and the acceptable norms and behaviors that the show is um, kind of highlighted over the years, right? So I was just talking to Sean Lowe um, last week, and we were talking about how, you know, when he did his shirtless scenes uh, on his Bachelor season, it was a big deal. Like, it was controversial. It was weird. People freaked out about it. Like, they did the slow-mo of him in the shower and he's like scrubbing his washboard of 30 abs and they like went up to his head and it was like this big thing. Now that's something that happens all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, my show uh, was very probably traditional in a lot of ways up until the very end, which is where I communicated, Hey, I have fell in love with two women and it's weird and I don't know how to process it. Well, nowadays, since then, um, I think people still get, like confused by it, but it's not shocking. It, actually, most people have admitted to, hey, I've fallen in love with two people and I don't know what to do about it. And so I think for me, watching the seasons progress is uh, the show has transformed to be, um, to, I don't, you know, I don't know if I could say they've kept up with the times because I think they're just now trying to. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I think what I do say is like the shows continue to push the boundaries. And it's weird how those boundaries now have become acceptable and socially acceptable within our lifestyles. I don't know if the bachelor has a lot to do with that, but like, it feels like they're, they're always pushing the limits and those limits the next season never feel that, that crazy anymore. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah it does. And I, I agree to, to an extent, like they do push, I think boundaries on, on like prime time, like ABC boundaries, you know, yeah. like that kind of boundaries. Um, obviously there's other shows out there that are, you know, way more ahead of its time, but I agree. I think every season, like, mm-hmm. I think Pete even fell in love with like three and then ended up with Kelly. Like, yeah, you know? so, like, four. yeah four, I guess, well, you know, so I think you're, up. yeah. And I think you're right. I think it's pretty normal now. I think people expect you to fall for two people. Like, I think they expect the lead to at least fall in love with like two people now. Um, and that's yeah. just the way it is. Yeah. So it is interesting. I watch a couple of the good episodes. And, um, it's pretty cool to just see. I guess the transformation of the show and kind of what it's turned into. And I think it's still got a long way to go to, to kind of yeah. be up with times, but it's, it's taking steps in the right direction for sure. So 
it's definitely taken bigger steps in the last six months, seven months than yes. it, I, I've, I've ever known it to. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I don't know where that goes, but I do, I do know that, uh, they're one, they, they should, they have to. Um, and you know, I think it's something that's passionate to you, but like, I think the show is from what I've seen behind the scenes is really taking a focus on the mental health of the contestants. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think that's something that could be, it's not though. The problem with that is it's not in front of our eyes. Um, where, you know, issues of race, issues of, you know, um, sexuality, issues of uh, bullying, like those things are right in front of us. We see them, we experience them, we know them. Well, mental health is a, is a hidden disease or it's a hidden uh, idea. And so I, I don't think it gets as much attention as maybe it should. And I think the show, based on my experience, you know, after talking to Olivia on my GOAT episode, mm-hmm. The show was uh, was very supportive of that. Like when I said, hey, I think this is something that should happen or needs to happen or I desire it to happen. And, and then I called Olivia and said, Olivia, um, I think I think you should trust that they want to give you a moment here to like heal and to come back. And then they did it. And I think they did it really well. Mm-hmm. And for my experience on it, like they were very supportive of whatever it is I wanted to do to make that happen that I hope that is common now coming out off of this season Mm -hmm. uh, where, you know, they do start to care about the mental health. They do want healing and they do want uh, closure and reconciliation. Yeah, no, I I've said this in a couple of podcasts. I definitely feel like they've taken steps in the right direction Mm -hmm. over the last like year, maybe, you know, six months to a year of like, I think just mental health in general, the stigma around mental health, just in general in the public, not just on TV. Like we have athletes now coming out, you know, um, Kevin Love has become a huge advocate for mental yeah. health. And so I think the show's also, you know, kind of starting to put it to, to put people, you know, the contestants mental health first. And it does come with, I think the word you use was healing. Like I think healing is huge because I think once you get off the show, you feel very alone and you feel kind of almost mm-hmm. ostracized. And so for them to just even stick out like an olive branch, for Olivia and just kind of welcome her back. I think it was a huge step. And like, it was the first time I've ever seen almost an apology from the show. Like it kind of was basically an apology. Like, sorry, we kind of fucked you over. And like, we weren't there for you when you needed us. Um, So I thought it was great. And yeah, I think they're, they're taking steps in the right direction. Um, So when you looked back at your goat season though, cause I, I don't think when definitely not when you were the bachelor, did they have the same kind of feelings towards mental health and kind of what contestants went through and social media was just kind of getting there. How did you get through? Because you did get a lot of hate for loving two people. Like you got yeah. a lot, man. You were almost like the villain. Like you were like a villain there for a bit for loving, saying I love you to two women on television. So how did you get through that? I was the villain of love. Dude, um, I remember. <laughs> yeah. Is that a chapter in the book? <laughs> the villain of love. No, it's the next book. <laughs> Raise a little cool. um, How did I get through that? Well, I think the, the simple answers are like, um, Counseling was big. Um, having a having a, a non biased voice to speak to was huge. Um, I think feeling the criticism was also big for me. Like I let that pain sink in a little bit. I didn't run from it. I didn't ignore it. I realized that what I had said and done was probably not healthy. Um, but at first, I didn't know why. Like even when it aired before the reactions, I was like, well, yeah, like I just felt this way. Like, I don't know how else I would have done this. And then 
I started to listen to the the criticisms and hearing that people had some valid points, right? Like you can start saying, I led somebody on, you can start saying, I set somebody up for heartbreak. You can start saying, I manipulated the situation. Like you could say all those things and they're not false, not intentional, but not false. Mm. And then once I started to process why people were angry, angry and why it wasn't okay, I knew my intentions. I knew why I did what I did. I knew why I said what I said. And so then I had to come into some closure and peace with myself to say, okay, you weren't like doing this to like ruin these girls' lives. You're doing this because you thought it was the right thing to do. And yes, maybe it wasn't, and maybe some, some of it was. And then I was able to kind of heal and move on and understand the criticism, yet accept the intentions that I did it with and, and grow from it, um, learn from it, yet not let it change me and not let it like ruin me. But it's hard to do. And I would say that's like that summarizes like months to a years of healing and processing and analyzing the whole thing. But in the end, I think I sit here now and go, I get it. Yeah, you could criticize me for it. I understand why. But I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna let it like make me feel terrible about myself. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. Because like you're right, your intentions were always. You didn't have any wrong intent. You weren't trying to lead anybody. And you weren't trying. You were just trying to be honest. And so I could get why watching it back the first time, you'd be like, I didn't like. I was just being honest with my feelings, like how I was feeling in that moment. So that'd and be I, hard. My, my intentions were really. I mean, I remember the prayer. I sat on the edge of my bed in Jamaica. Nobody, no cameras. Nobody was in there, and I was like, okay, uh, how am I feeling? And I processed how I was feeling. I was like, I want, I was like, at the end of all this, which is what I said. And I, I told Matt this when he went on to be the bachelor this year is like, my whole focus was I'm going to do things really wrong here, but I hope that these women leave being at least glad they tried and did it. Mm-hmm. Like if all this goes wrong, even if there's like breakups, even if there's tears, even if there's like pain in like a month, I want these women to look back and be like, I'm glad I did it. And I, I'm glad that I invested some type of effort into seeing if this pro- what this process was. And I thought the only way that I could allow one of the women that I was going to be sending home to feel that was to know that my feelings for them was real, that this was hard, that like I cared about them, that I think they're amazing, they're just wonderful people that I'd be lucky to be with. And so I was like, the only way to do that is to tell them how I feel, is to tell them that I love them because I do. And like to this day, like if Lauren or Jojo reached out to me and needed something like, I, I mean, I know Jessica would hundred percent want me to, and I would want to, I would try to do whatever I could to help them. I don't know what that would be. They're both, right. you know, they have great men in their lives and they've moved on. But if the situation presented itself, like I, I think they're both terrific people. And I wanted to know that when they left the show and, uh, and I just, maybe I probably could have done it like differently. I probably could just said, Hey, you know how much I care about you, right? Everything worked out though. Everything worked out. I was young and dumb, man. <laughs> That's true. You were so young. Like, <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. So the Bachelorette starts here in like what, yeah. a week now, right? It's mm-hmm. crazy with Claire. Uh, a week from today. Yeah, a week from today. Um, what do you? So I'm so interested in this season because they can't travel, and yeah. I remember when I traveled, like the traveling part of the Bachelorette was when you kind of got to like act normal. Like you yeah. hang with the boys, there were no cameras. You could like joke around. So not having that, I just feel like these guys are going to go nuts. I feel like this season is just going to be, they're all just going to be crazy, like out of their mind because they don't have any alone time really. Like at least we would travel and have some alone time. So it's going to be interesting. What do you think? Yeah. I, 
I wonder, I don't know their living situation, right? So if they're all COVID free and they've all been tested, I imagine they're probably all living together because there's no outside influence in the outside, like, um, things coming in. So I think they can still all live together. One of my favorite times in all my years, uh, of doing the show was those moments that you sit in the room with like the 12 guys left and you don't have a date that day. And some guy has a one-on-one and it's like 11 of you kicking it, talk, telling stories of home. There's no TV going. There's no phones going. It's just you and like your buddies telling jokes, laughing, playing cards, whatever. Um, And it was, I mean, those are some of the moments that have, that like enhanced my life through the show the most. I hope they still get that because it's not often you get to sit in a room without distraction with 11 people for, you know, a month to two months and get to know them as humans. And that's what made me love the, you know, the guys on my season so much. And it's this, the memories we still talk about. Um, the date part, I really don't think changes much. Like I don't, I mean, I, I don't know if like the dates are going to be less exciting or how they're going to have like yeah. thrilling moments. But for me, like you could have pretty much taken out most of the activities we did on every day and just done the cocktail parties and afterward dinners with the one-on-ones. And I would have been fine because those are the moments that really matter. Like I never, I don't remember watching some girl, you know, we did like a track date one day and it's like, I don't remember watching a girl on the track date saying, Oh, she's trying hard. That's my wife. Like, (laughs) yeah, no, it's like those things are just fun and you could do without them. And I could probably do without them as a viewer too. I want to, I want to hear the stories. I want to hear the chemistry, see the chemistry. I want to experience their relationship and not as much the like, let's jump out of a plane naked or something. Yeah. I think those are mostly for like, yeah, the audience, I guess I try and think of like, yeah, there's no activity where you're like, you get to know somebody through like a track date or like some other, you know, I'm trying to think of my season. We had like, what did we have? We had like a dodgeball date, you know, or stuff like that. Like you don't get to know those are just for like, I guess the audience to like watch us like beat the hell out of each other on like the football date or something, you know, like it doesn't help the lead create a connection, I would say. So I never really thought about that. Maybe they'll just do more like cocktail hours and like serious sit down lunches, dinners, those kinds of things. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Um, I mean, I'm a good example. I had my very first date ever on The Bachelor. It was a boxing date, and I got knocked out in five seconds by Jared Hayman, and I made it to the final three. So, <laughs> what's up? No, that I have to. We have to look up that. You know, YouTube clip. Nah, yeah, nah, I'm gonna. Good. We're gonna post that for sure. <laughs> That's great. I got blasted. It's a good picture, actually. You just see my my jaw is <laughs> over by my shoulder, and my contact is flying out of my eye. Oh my god, that's <laughs> awesome! Yeah, it was cool. It was cool. Live audience. Is that the first time you'd ever been punched? No, 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 no. I got my, I got knocked myself silly in middle school by a kid and high school by a kid. And then, yeah, I seem to get punched a lot. <laughs> say, damn. That's great. This uh, time. <laughs> so, and then obviously, Tasha is going to be a part of the season. I'm now confused on like what her part is going to be on this season because it sounds like a lot of this season is going to be Claire. When the hell yep. are they going to bring in Tasha? Like, have you heard anything? Like, I'm no, so I'm confused. with you. Um, yeah. In fact, we spent the last uh, um, 24 hours analyzing this situation. <laughs> and um, yeah, because it's weird because Chris Harrison did an interview with people and said, hey, this is 100% clear. I think his words were like, this is 100% clear season. This is her story from start to finish. Which like, which, like, I don't know what that means because I've been under the assumption that Tasha's is a big part of it, if not a lead in it. But I don't put it past this show. I mean, this show has historically been a terrific show for twists and turns and unknowns. 
The one thing that confuses me is, though, typically Chris Harrison is the voice of truth. He doesn't lead anybody astray, public or within the show. That's mm-hmm. his kind of role is to be a voice of of honesty and wisdom. And even when he does media, it's all very, like, um, strategic. And, uh, and so we get this quote. And I'm trying to, like, see how he what he means with yeah. but like a hundred percent is saying a hundred percent of this is Tasha or is Claire where's Tasha fit in because yeah I thought at least Tasha is gonna be 50 percent of the show like I thought it was gonna be Claire so, boom and then Tasha so. I'm I have no inside knowledge um I don't know <laughs> which <laughs> makes it interesting kind of fun. so are we yeah in? I'm kind of pumped about not knowing actually I feel like I so, always know. So is this going to be the most dramatic season yet? <laughs> I I would bet so. I mean, here's the thing. The only other season I didn't know how it finished was Ari's. Uh, and actually, I don't think I knew Colton's. Uh, no, yeah, Colton's was Colton's yeah. was pretty much under the wrap. Yeah, yeah. I think Colton's was the one under under the wrap, and and every other one I've had a pretty good idea because I've either spoken with the lead or just like have somehow found out. Um. This is, I don't know what's happening. Yeah. Uh, I don't. And I don't know how this ends. I don't know where it goes. And I think that's kind of fun because I'll be able to watch as a viewer and be intrigued the whole time. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah. No, I'm pumped for the season. I'm excited to get it started. Yeah. And then Matt started filming like this week. Yeah. Feels like that's going to be boom, 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 boom. Started last week. Oh, shit. They already, wow. Yeah. yeah, he yeah they, just, they just showed all of his ladies today. Yeah. His ladies dropped today. No way! Yeah, yeah. his ladies dropped today. Yeah. yeah, man, I was, I was, I might have, I might have taken a couple peeks here and there. To see who's going to be. Ben, ben was looking ahead for Paradise next season. <laughs> no, so hell, fucking no. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, um, I, uh, I need to go check this out. I mean, You're gonna have to what go do check you guys it think out. so far? I don't know. I was looking at a few of them. I mean, so it's wild. I was looking at them. There's like five or six girls who have a ton of following already. Yeah. On and a couple that have podcasts that have. Yeah. A couple have like podcasts and blogs and yeah. So I was no kind of shocked by that. Yeah. I was kind of shocked by that. The, I think uh, one of the girls is his ex. One of his exes he oh, dated yeah. for a couple months too. Did you see that? Yeah. No. One is an ex yeah. he dated. Of course ABC would do that. Yeah. What, uh, I mean, so the following thing isn't sh- super shocking to me because not Hannah Ann had a huge following. Oh yeah, or not, and Hannah Ann and uh, Hannah G and like it worked out just fine for them, you yeah. know. In fact, maybe better. Yeah. <laughs> so that's uh, I'm looking now. I mean, hey, good for him. He's about to have the time the, of his life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he he's a good. I mean, from everything I've talked to him about, like he's a good dude. Um, hey, you've chatted with him. I have, uh, he's, he's going to carry himself. Well, he just, he seems like a pretty saw guy. And, and the thing I think he has going for him is being friends with Tyler. Like oh, yeah. he, he knows, you know, what this experience entails. Like, it's not like anything's going to be a shock to him. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he's had the conversation he used to with Tyler and like knows production and kind of what, so, cause I, I always find it this might be the first guy they've ever pulled straight off, in a while anyway. They pulled straight off the street without being on The Bachelorette. And I was scared at first for the guy. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. He's going to go in so doe-eyed, kind of ignorant, not knowing how they you know, they do their thing. Um, but I was like, oh, he's got Tyler. Like, I'm sure he's tied with Tyler. And he's friends with a lot of the guys from the show. Like, I'm sure everybody's kind of warned him and kind of, yeah, I don't think anything will surprise him, hopefully. So, yeah. yeah got a lot of good-looking women. 
you know Madison what? Nelson. That's that's his ex. His ex. Who? I can't believe they Madison did that. Nelson. Oh, I can't believe they did that. I mean, what what a weird experience to be standing there and to see your ex walk out of the walk yeah, out his, of the room. I, he's I was like Vic, I was like Chase Rice with uh, Victoria and Pete yeah. <laughs> while he's performing. Yeah. <laughs> that was priceless. Yeah, <laughs> that's literally what it's going to be like. This show just figures out how to do things that I do, man. Yeah. Well, I'm looking now, Blake. I I see I see your wife in this group. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, tell her to slide in the DMs in because I'm not going to fucking paradise again. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can. Uh, I, I see that. Uh, I see that there's a, a Blake Hortzman. Uh, <laughs> there's a few in there. Whoa, yeah. the girl, that girl's, there's a 21 year old. That Blake just found her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. The podcast. Blake's gone. Speechless. <laughs> oh, God. 21. Oh, God. Uh, should be fun, though. Should be interesting. I'm pumped. I'm excited for Claire and Matt's season. So it's been a long it's, off season. It's been a long off season. You guys are going to be. Uh, Figuring out what it's like to break down each episode, I'm sure. And, oh, uh, yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. <laughs> play by play. It's going to be awesome. It's something else. I've, You'll have to join us one of our recaps one of these times. Yeah, please. I, like uh, a Wednesday or Thursday recap or something. So. Yeah, I'm always uh, – What? how I do it. Like, you, you are understanding of, uh, like, the reality television world a little bit better than I am because um, when I watch this stuff, I'm like still on the edge of my seat. Like, I don't think you get as awkward to things as I do, but like, I still find myself watching this show through my eyes or like having to like change the channel for a second. Yeah. That's like, no, I big kiss. it's weird. The um, Barb and Peter part. I remember watching that through my fingers. I was like, Oh my yeah, God. I don't want to be here for this, but I do. Yeah. Can't turn away. Cool, man. Well, thank you for joining us. You got anything else for America? Uh, yeah, a couple of things we normally like to ask is obviously coming off the show, you've used your platform tremendously well. And yeah, like what what do you want your legacy mm. to be with all the endeavors you do with Generous and Humanity and Hope? And Yes, thanks, buddy. Um, you know, I think I think for me, I, I ultimately want, so I was encouraged by uh, a few buddies when I was off the show is to use this for something greater than myself. Uh, because if I used it to like enhance me or to stay relevant, like that's a no some game, like it's going to end. Uh, it's always going to be chasing something that is fragile and fleeting. And so I trusted that advice. I, I don't know if I actually believed it at the time, but I trusted it. And I'm glad I did because generous has been awesome. And uh, you know, we we sell products online um, coffee, mostly, and uh, deliver it to your house. And then we donate hundred percent of the profits to nonprofits or social causes that are fighting human injustice around the world. For me, that's what I want my legacy to be. I just want to involve my, I want to find a way to build a career out of for purpose business. And so using business to be an avenue to enhance the lives of those who didn't win the birth lottery, maybe, or are struggling with, um, you know, multiple different things, mental illness, lack of education, lack of clean water, lack of infrastructure, lack of leadership programs, lack of safety, like those kind of things. Because I think selfishly when I do that and it, when it's worked in my life, my life has been enhanced and I've been able to participate in some incredible stories. 
that I that I just want to continue to be a part of. Um, so to summarize all of that, I want to see Generous become a business that uh, that I can work for forever. I want to see it be an engine for good, and I want to see us sell incredible coffee and uh, and be able to impact the lives of people around us by doing it. So where, where so yeah, obviously Generous Coffee. Where can they find Generous Coffee? Yeah, uh, GenerousCoffee.com. Okay. And so um, in short, we we source single origin specialty grade coffee. And so it's all over the world. It's the best coffee, specialty grade, single origin. So it's traceable. You can go and visit the farms that we get it from. And um, if you're into coffee, you know that there's like a lot of injustice done to the farmers and the producers. And so we try to fight that. And then uh, if you go online and order it, then we can deliver it to your door whenever. It's subscription-based. My tagline that I think really gets people every time is uh, you're going to drink coffee anyways. Why not make it life-changing coffee? And so if you want some coffee uh, or if you want t-shirts that are made out of plastic water bottles um, or mugs made by hand that go back to clean water in the Central African Republic, then you can go to generouscoffee.com and buy all that. Um, it's been fun. It's been uh, it's been a challenge. It's not what I expected to be doing, um, but I'm glad I'm doing it. And it's, uh, yeah, it's been a fun experience. And We'll keep going as long as we can. Yeah, absolutely. We've had a lot of fun helping out and yeah. donating our time, pouring coffee at trade shows, and yeah, you have. You guys have yeah. been around Throughout the years. You've been uh, you've been two of uh, the most supportive friends of generous that I have. Uh, in fact, last last week, um, I asked Eric and Blake to come down to uh, the coffee shop. We have a coffee shop in South Denver. It's been struggling due to COVID. Like it just can't, we can't get anybody to come through the door anymore and nobody's going to coffee shops. And so we're, we're in a tough spot. And so one of the ways to get people in the door was to do like a little day where uh, we all helped serve coffee and they came down and did it for about four hours and it was awesome. And yeah, it was a good turnout. Uh, it was had a great turnout. I mean, we had more people than I expected. And uh, um, so, yeah, you guys have been awesome to that. And then, you know, there's, a ton of people out there that are advocating for generous and, uh, and I've been lucky enough to be able to be a part of it now, you know, for two years. Yeah. I like, you know, I think the, the always the thing I like to say is like, I post about it and people will comment like, please stop doing ads. And it's like, well, this is like, this is my job. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. actually my exactly, company. Yeah. Like I'm yeah. very company, invested yeah. in this. Yeah. The best is like, go get a job. And it's like, I don't know what to tell you. Like this is like, <laughs> <laughs> this is, <laughs> I hate those. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's been fun. And that's, that's a great, my life to summarize all my leg. what I want my legacy to be is something that a wise man once told me when I was really young, he said, live your life to, to give more than you ever take. And so that's, I guess if like my gravestone said that, I, I think I'd be pretty happy. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. Yeah, and I think one uh, one last note. Obviously, we're we're kind of teamed up with the Grizzly Rose here on on our podcast. Yeah. And I think you've had uh, quite a few fun nights with us there. Because <laughs> where is this going? <laughs> no, no, just uh, just just. <laughs> well, it can go anywhere. But what if you just wanted to to ask maybe like you know if you have like a favorite memory or like a a time you've enjoyed there favorite show? Yeah, yeah. We've had I mean, a lot of good nights there. So many good nights. I went to Grizzly Rose when uh, when I first moved to Denver because I heard it was awesome and I heard it matched kind of what I was into. I went with a couple of buddies then. I've seen bands like Turnpike Troubadours, uh, the Abbott Brothers, Colt Ford. Um, I've seen. Uh, we were up on stage with Colt Ford. On yeah, 
speaking of like that introduction to Colt, you starting Colt's music video. Yeah, I did. You can look it up. How to lose a woman uh, by Colt Ford. You can see me have a, yeah, you can see a very true acting job of just, (laughs) Uh, but that's probably my favorite memory is being able outside being at Grizzly Rose with you two on Colt's bus. Colt's been a good buddy of of mine and of yours. Super supportive of me. He actually has got me into some golf tournaments I've wanted to play in. And along with you, Eric, you've helped with that. And um, sitting on his bus before his concert was an incredible experience. And then walking out to see him walk up on stage was just fun. And then also I'd have to say that like some other memories are just standing at the back bar. Um, Yeah. With old Danny. Danny With old Danny. And um, having laughs and seeing how sweet she is and um, the picture she has on her wall and just feeling, uh, I think Grizzly Rose does a good job of making me feel like I'm at home as long as one of those security guards isn't um, biting (laughs) down my neck. (laughs) That's great. Yeah, hopefully here soon we'll go back, go back out there for a show. Yeah, I'd love that. Yeah, sometime soon here. Cool, man. Well, appreciate you coming on. Everybody go buy Generous Coffee, um, and they can find you on Instagram at, is it Ben.Higgins? Is that what it is? Higgins.Ben, or you can go to Ben Higgins' book now. Yeah, go buy his Uh, book. Pre-order. And pre-order that thing. It gives me some confidence, and it makes the publisher feel a little bit happier about signing (laughs) on. Yeah, go buy that book, buy some coffee. Ben is no longer unlovable Ben. (laughs) No, 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 I'm an author. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm an wait, wait till you could do a new york times best yeah, i was just gonna say that. get that bestseller list yeah that'd be nice that'd be yeah, nice <laughs> wouldn't be mad about that <laughs> well hey thank you both you guys are the best yeah. appreciate awesome. you man thanks, love man. you man see you guys love y'all thanks for listening everyone be sure to follow our instagram at behind the rose podcast don't forget to subscribe comment like and give us all five of those damn stars Behind the Rose is reported on-site at the world-famous Grizzly Rose or wherever we happen to be. See you next time, Behind the Rose.